We are in the middle of a study on the Lord's Prayer. The disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Not necessarily what to say when you pray, although it's fine to do that. We say the Lord's Prayer every Sunday in our services. But it's not about just repeating these words. What he was trying to do was teach them um, what they should or, or how they should pray when they approach God in prayer. And we've been doing a very detailed uh, analysis of that as we've been studying the Lord's Prayer. And uh, we're up to now uh, where it says, forgive us our debts. But before we get into that, I want to back up and I want to read kind of the whole thing together to, to make a really strong point for you. He starts in, in, in Matthew the 6th chapter, chapter, verse 9. Uh, our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then he finishes up with this, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now one other, uh, I think it's in Luke, has the added part, for thine is the kingdom and the glory. And we also add that. But basically, he got to the end of the Lord's prayer. And then, and then we assume that he just stopped talking. And, and went on to something else. But, but he didn't. He kept talking because he knew he had just some, said something that completely fried their gourds. Alright? Something that just, what, what, what? And he wanted to address it right away. Now what was it? The fact that we would call God our Father, that was kind of casual. You know, they were used to praying, Oh thou most omnipotent God out in the, you know. God says no, Jesus says no, you can just call him Daddy kind of radical was it the fact that God's kingdom could come that his will could be done that we could experience God God's kingdom right here on earth that we don't have to die to experience God's glory that this isn't just pie in the sky after you die but that we can really have right now we can experience God right right now whoa that must have been frying their brains no that, that wasn't it Give us today our daily bread. That must be the fact that God will actually meet our daily needs. That we don't have to be obsessed with fear and stuff about the needs that we have in our lives. That God really cares about the little things. Nope, that that wasn't it. It was the next part. The part we're at today. Forgive us our sins. As we forgive those who sin against us. Ow, 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 ow. That's a little tough to take. Listen to what he said. Forgive us our sins, debts, trespasses, whatever you want to call it. As tied to how willing we are to forgive others. And then Jesus goes on in verse 14. He says, for if you forgive others when they sin against you. Remember now, he just said the Lord's Prayer and he jumps right into this. For if you forgive others when they sin against you. That was the part he knew had just fried their little brains. He says, then your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But continuing on to underline it, to make the strength, the point that he's going after, he says in verse 15, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now that seems pretty clear to me. I have often been stunned by Christians who approach forgiveness as an optional part of faith. As something that they perhaps can grow into. You know, I've even heard them say that. Well, you know, I, yeah, I'm having a hard time forgiving, but I'm just not there yet. I'm, I'm growing in that area. And I'm thinking, what, what do you mean growing? 
You don't grow into this. You do it or you don't. This is Christianity 101. It doesn't get any more basic than this. Now, whether or not you come to church is optional. You're not going to go to hell if you don't come listen to me for a Sunday. You know, you're going to be fine. I mean, you should come to church for it. But, but you know what I'm talking about? Now, whether or not you pray a certain amount of times in the week is, again, optional. You should come to church. You should pray. Whether or not you read your Bible today is optional. You should. If you want to grow, you need to fill your thoughts with the thoughts of God and learn. But this is optional. It's not going to send you to hell if you miss some of that. There's all kinds of things that are completely, totally optional even though they are necessary if you're going to grow. It's not going to affect your eternal damnation if you don't do that. Are you catching me? But when it comes to this, boys and girls, this is pretty simple. For if you do not forgive others who sin and hurt you, My Father will not forgive you your sins. Wow. That's pretty intense. Let me ask you a question. What happens to people who don't have their sins forgiven when they die? This is a really bad thing. Are you hearing me? Are you really willing to risk that? Just because you're so puking mad at somebody else? Just because they hurt you? Just because I'll never forgive that guy because he said that mean thing to me and I never got to go to that church because that bastard didn't shake my hand that one day. (laughs) And my neighbor, I hate my neighbor, stupid neighbor, you know, a stupid dog just pooping on my lawn every damn time of all his poop. All the other things, the list of things, well, he hurt my feelings, and that person did that mean thing to me, or, or they said this evil thing to me, or, or they said a bad rumor about me. I'm never going to forgive them. Christians who talk like this, who act like this, who behave badly like this, thinking nothing of it. When confronted that they need to forgive, oh yeah, I, I know, I, I, I should kind of like, yeah, I guess I should go to church or I guess I should pray. Hey, this is way past optional here. It doesn't get any more basic than this. You say, well, you can't just take that one verse of the Bible and make that huge statement that God won't. Okay, then let's look at another one. (laughs) Don't want to be accused of being too extreme with one little verse. Let's look at Matthew, the 18th chapter. Starting at verse 21, it says, Peter came to Jesus. He says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive someone who sins against me? Up to, I don't know, five, six, seven times. I mean, Peter really thought he was being generous here. He thought he was really going to the mat here. Seven times. Should I go as much as seven? Someone hurts me? And then he hurts me again? And then he hurts me again? And he hurts me again? And he hurts me again? And again? And again? Should I go as much as seven times? Truly, that makes me a spiritual person. Jesus answered to him. said, you little twit. (laughs) Different translation. 
I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. How many times shall I forgive someone who sins against me, who hurts me, who violates me, who, who does something mean and nasty and wicked towards me? Seventy-seven times. And I'm sure Jesus wasn't really saying, well, keep track once you get to 75, you got it almost made. (laughs) I think the point is, is there's no end to this. There is no end to this. And then Jesus goes and he continues to talk. You got to put this stuff in context. Read the whole thing. He says, therefore, whenever you see a therefore, you got to see what it's there for. (laughs) He's talking about forgiveness. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to settle, or as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, a lot of gold, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Well, thankfully, we don't have debtors' prisons today. I doubt many of you would carry credit cards if that was the price. Yep, you sold one of my kids to pay off that one card. The servant fell on his knees before him, before the king. Be patient with me, he begged. And, and, and I will pay back everything. Now, I don't know how he thought he would pay back 10000 Bags of gold, considering an ounce of gold is like what seven, eight hundred bucks. I don't know what the price is today. It's a lot of cash, Jack. And he had ten thousand bags of this that he owed. I don't know what he was doing, spending all that money. Probably went to the casinos. That's another sermon. We will move on for now. Be patient with me. I'll pay back everything. Verse 27 says, The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt. Canceled 10,000 bags of gold. I don't know how much money that is, but that's got to be in the Ho-Chi-Mama category. And just let him off. Canceled. Free. Go. But when that very same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants servants who owed him a hundred silver coins nothing it was nothing the guy just got let off of 10,000 bags of gold and runs into a buddy who owes him a hundred silver coins and the bible says Jesus said he grabbed this guy and began to choke him pay back what you owe me he demanded his fellow servant fell to his knees the guy he was choking not sure if he did that willingly or just because he was being choked but he fell to his knees and he begged him please be patient with me I will pay you back but Jesus says the guy refused instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back the hundred silver coins. 
When the other servants saw what happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked little slime bag, he says. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be what? His master handed him over to the jailers to be what? Handed him over the jailers to be what? Remember that. Until he should pay back all he owed. Listen to what Jesus says. Very next words out of his mouth. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you. Unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Not very optional to me. You really willing to risk this? Because you're so mad at somebody? Well, you don't know what he did to me. I promise you, whatever anybody did to you is but a hundred silver coins compared to the debt that God is willing to forgive you of. Regardless of your transgressions, no matter how great they may be, God knows every single thing about you. He's willing to let all of your transgressions, all of your sins, everything you have ever done wrong, He is willing to erase. That's grace. That's the power of the cross. That's why Jesus Christ died on the cross. So that His blood could be shed He took the rap for us so that we could be right with God. The accounts would be balanced. He would wipe and expunge every debt that we have coming. You know, people say, I want want what's coming to me. No, you don't. (laughs) I want what I deserve. You deserve to go to hell. That's what you deserve. Well, I don't think that. Well, you ain't God. We deserve to go to hell. Because of our bitterness, our anger, our sins, our selfishness, all the mean things that we've done. Compared to a holy God, these are horrible transgressions. He says, I'll erase every one of those things if you ask me to. With one condition. See, we never talk about the condition. The one condition is, is you got to let everybody else off that owes you. This is the Lord's prayer. God, every day we pray this prayer. Lord, forgive me my sins As I'm willing to forgive others. Which means if you're not willing to forgive others. You've just gave God permission not to forgive you at all. This is how your heavenly father will treat you. If you don't forgive everyone from his. Well you can't just take two Bible verses like that. Okay here's the third one. Mark the 11th chapter. Verse 22. Great verse of scriptures. The faith part of the Bible. Kind of a faith verse. Jesus says this. Have faith in God. (laughs) Have faith in God. Truly I tell you. You know why he had to say that? Truly. Truly I tell you. It's because people don't believe it. 
They don't believe it. When he, Jesus would say something, well, I don't know if I can believe that. That's what he always said. Truly, this is true. I'm not making this up. This is the truth. If you say to this mountain, go and throw yourself into the sea, and do not doubt in your heart, but believe what you say will happen, it will be done for you. Now that's just, who's ever done that? But yeah, Jesus is trying to say, in, in the purest sense of faith, nothing's impossible to him who believes. Now I've got to be honest with you, I, I've never had that kind of faith. I, if I did, I'd be getting cars out of the way in traffic all the time. <laughs> move, 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 move. But he says this, therefore I tell you, in other words, because, what's the therefore? Because if, if you truly believe in your heart, Virtually anything is possible to you. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours, if you'll truly believe it. Now, I could preach just on this single verse uh, for an hour alone about what it means to truly believe, to truly get a picture on the inside, to really, truly believe that what you've asked God for will happen. Because when you truly believe that what you've asked for is going to happen, your life changes. Your countenance changes. Your stress level drops considerably. If what you're asking God for, you're absolutely convinced, I know God heard me, I know this will happen. And you just walk around in a state of faith. even And a state of thanksgiving, even though it hasn't happened yet. See, most of us don't get that. Most of us, we praise God when something good happens. And cry when something bad happens. But whoop-de-doo. Everybody does that. You don't even need to be a Christian to do that. Man, the heathens, man, they, something bad happens, they cry when something good happens. Yeah! But what Jesus is trying to teach us is that we can actually walk in a state of rejoicing even in the midst of our troubles because we so know God is going to come through for us. It's a done deal. The check is in the mail. I know it's coming. I know it's coming. I, I told you the story some weeks ago. I'm going to share it again. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a simple little story, but it, it had such an impact on my life. The, the one time that this is years ago when Deb and I were, uh, you know, living in Decatur, Illinois, the armpit of, of Illinois. And uh, if you're from Decatur, sorry about that. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, um, we were there and we were so broke oh man I mean we had to look up to see poor I mean we were so broke it was just un- unbelievable and I remember once there was like a it was nothing it was like a hundred dollar bill we couldn't pay and this bill was for a hundred dollars and I'm freaking out I'm all stressed out I gotta pay this bill I gotta pay this bill and I remember my mom called and she said how you doing I don't know man I gotta pay this bill and of course she said don't worry about it I'll send you the hundred dollars really yeah yeah I'll put it in the mail tomorrow oh thank you thank you thank you and I got off the phone and I was so calm what had changed? Nothing. Had anything changed of significance? I still didn't have the money. It still wasn't in my hand. But mama said she was sending it. And my mama doesn't lie. And if mama said she's going to send it, she's going to send it. It's as good as done. And I started walking around just feeling. And I remember it struck me. I thought, Goodness gracious, how can I be so calm now? But I was so freaking out just five minutes earlier. For no other reason than I asked mom and I believe that she's going to send me that $100. And it so struck me that this is how we need to be in faith with God. 
Even though nothing has changed. But to truly believe the check is in the mail. That it's coming. God doesn't lie. Papa says he's going to send you a check. He's going to send you a check. Great stuff. Anyway, all this stuff, you know, if, if you believe you receive it, it'll be yours. Da, 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 all this great faith stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of people like to preach this verse of scripture just over and over again. Have faith in God. Speak to the mountain. Have faith in God. Speak to the mountain. Have faith in God. Speak to the mountain. Of course, we all stop at verse 20, 25 there, 24 there. We, we stop. Believe you have received it, it will be yours. End of sermon. But Jesus didn't stop. He kept talking. He continues and he says, and. Everybody say, and. That means it's stuck together. La da 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 da. And means it's connected. Right? He says, and. After this great faith, you know, speak to the mountain. Speak to the mountain. Oh, you have this great faith. God will do anything. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. Why? So that your Father in heaven may forgive you. You're sins. You seeing a pattern here? Are we seeing a little bit of a pattern anywhere? I mean, I'm not really stretching this far, am I? I mean, there's stuff in the Bible you got to stretch it a little bit to get it. You know what I'm saying? There's there's theological stuff you got to wrap your brain around and try and you know because it's a little tricky and you know and you know you know we all see different things like that and I attempt to preach on that once once in a while because I don't know what I'm talking about because I'm not that smart but you know it, you know those, those those really complicated theological questions you know you kind of wrap your brain well what about this and what if God meant this but then then there's the verses that even I can understand. Then there are these points that are so clear, so black and white, so beyond stretching to comprehend that it just slaps you in the face. Now this is a slap you in the face thing. This is as clear as it can possibly be. Jesus repeated over and over and over again this very simple truth that if you do not forgive people who sin against you your heavenly father will not forgive you say well I don't believe that (laughs) okay lots of luck with that I mean, it's one thing if it was just one verse. You know, some people try to build the whole doctrine off of one verse. And another thing if it's two, but when it's three and more, it's getting pretty clear. Need very little theological explanation. I don't think we need to get back to the Greek and the Hebrew here to grasp this one. This is a pretty clear one. Check this out in First John, the fourth chapter. John the Apostle writing to the churches. Now we're, we're in the epistles. Those are all gospels. It's literally what Jesus said. But John kind of sums it up here when he writes to the church in the fourth chapter of of John's uh, first epistle, 20th verse, he says this. He says, "If, if we say we love God, yet hate a brother or sister, we are liars. Let me read that to you again. If we say... Everybody says, oh, I love God. Oh, I love Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. Jesus, I love Jesus. He's great. I hate that guy, but I love Jesus. And I hate that stupid pastor, but I love Jesus. 
And I hate what that I hate that pastor that but I love Jesus. And I hate my ex-wife because she's nothing but a witch. <laughs> Said we use a different consonant. <laughs> I love Jesus, yes, but I hate. He, he says if you say you love Jesus and and you hate a brother or sister, you're a liar. Ow. Oh, it's not very nice for a Christian guy to write, is it? For if we do not love a fellow believer whom we have seen, if you can't love somebody that you can see, you cannot love God whom you cannot see. We are lying to ourselves. We are walking around in a state of self-delusion. Churches all over America have Christians all over the place in them who say they love Jesus but hate other people. Say they love Jesus but can't stand the other people in the church. Say they love Jesus but just soon punch you in the face because you irritate the snot out of them. Say they love Jesus but I hate my ex-wife. I hate my ex-husband. I just hate that guy. I just, oh, I just wish he died and go to hell. I hear stuff like this all the time. But I, I, I love Jesus. I love... To, no, no, you don't. No, you don't. You're, you're, you're in a fantasy world. You're living a lie. You're living a delusion. The point of all this, boys and girls, is we do not have the luxury to hate anybody. We do not have the luxury to not forgive people who hurt us. I mean, it's bad enough just getting around people who irritate us. Getting past that. You know what I'm talking about? We all got people that just bug the dickens out of us. We got to love them. Good news is you don't have to be around them every second. <laughs> love you from a distance, brother. Praise God. You know, come on, there's all people like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. I mean, there's people, you know, come on. I just, some of you, I irritate you. I get it. That's okay. You know, you don't have to be around me all the time and... It's amen, she said. But uh, that's that's one thing. But to willfully hang on to something and say, I will never forgive that person for what they did to me. See, we think we're going to hurt other people by refusing to forgive them. (laughs) But the only one you hurt is you. Unforgiveness is like taking poison trying to kill the other guy. Doesn't bother the other guy. Doesn't hurt the other guy. And I, I, I can't even begin to take the time to explain how often I deal with this in, in, in marriages and in relationships. And ex-husbands, ex-wives, Christians who just literally hate them. But come to church and clap their hands and raise their hands and praise the Lord. Think they're okay. You're not okay. This is serious stuff. You say, well, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. That's why Peter thought he was doing a great job going for seven. We do not have the luxury to hang on to people's transgressions. We do not have the luxury to not forgive people. You want God to forgive you? I don't know about you, but I need all the forgiveness I can get. Seriously. I I don't want 
I don't want to see my sins when I get to heaven. It won't be a pretty sight. I just, I just got to let everything go. I don't want to hold anything against anybody. I want to have completely short accounts. If I die and go to heaven, God says, you ticked off at anybody? I say, nope. Nope, nope. Everything's good. Nobody owes me anything. We need to live that way. So that truly God can forgive us and bless us. If we don't do these things, and it keeps us from having faith in God. That's the whole point of what Jesus said. The reason for the and. You want all this great faith? But and, you've got to forgive people. If God isn't forgiving your sins, he's not about to move mountains for you. He's not about to change circumstances in your life. You say, Pastor, we, you know, I, I get what you're saying, but man, it's hard. It's really, really hard. Well, most of us, we struggle because we don't get it. We don't understand what forgiveness is. Very simply, forgiveness is not an emotion. It has nothing to do with your emotions. You might feel the pain of what that person did to you till the day you die. It has nothing to do with forgiveness. The second thing is it has nothing to do with your memory. You might remember what that person did to you till the day you die. It has nothing to do with forgiveness. Forgiveness is very simply an act. You make a determination. You say, I forgive you. I will never use it against you in the future. I will never speak of it again to you or to anyone else. Shh. You see, forgiveness has oftentimes more to do with our tongue than our heads and our hearts. If you're still talking about it, if you're still rehearsing, if you're constantly reminding that person what an evil, wicked sinner they are, that's not forgiveness. We need to forget. It's hard. It's hard to do, but we need to do it. I need to do it. We all need to do it. Because this is Christianity 101. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your kindness and your grace, God. We all need to keep short accounts. Lord, I pray for people right now who are carrying hurts and pains, hanging on to wounds that people have inflicted upon them, who are struggling with letting it go. God, I pray that you would give them great grace to release everyone. That they can walk out of this place with the absolute conviction and feeling nobody owes them anything. Everyone's forgiven. Everyone's clean. Everyone's clear. Help us, God, to walk into that kind of divine grace. Help us to forgive others so that we can be forgiven. As every head's bowed and every eye's closed, we bring the service to a close. Without anybody looking around, I'm, I'm going to say a prayer together. And if you have never truly surrendered your life to Christ and asked Him to come into your heart to forgive you of your sins, if you'll pray this prayer with me and just believe this from the very bottom of your heart, Jesus will come into your heart and begin to teach you a life of forgiveness so that you can walk in His grace and His kindness. Let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I surrender to you this evening. Your kingdom come and your will be done in my life. I freely choose Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins and help me 
to learn your ways. Amen. If that was the very first time you ever prayed a prayer like this, I got a great little book here written by my brother, Ed, who's also in ministry. It's called Getting Started in Your New Life with Jesus. Anyway, if you're first time uh, praying that prayer, it's a great little book. answers the questions about faith and how to get to know God and prayer, what all that stuff means. Anyway, at the guest services counter right out here outside the door, if you'll walk up and say, I'd like a free copy of that book. They'll be happy just to give it to you. And, uh, and it'll be great. It'll bless you to help you to learn more about what it really means to walk in this wonderful gift of forgiveness and freedom in, in, that we all experience in, in Jesus' name. Pastor Lathan.